Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, it's episode 4 and I'm joined by Brownie and Sam for this one. We'll discuss a second consecutive nil-nil of the season, we've got a few listener questions to answer and we'll discuss a few of the bits and bobs as well, so enjoy. Boys, how are we? Brownie, how's the head? Alright mate, yeah. I need to stop asking you that on a pod, don't I really? (laughs) Yeah, he's giving me a bad rep here. (laughs) Well, you just enjoy your Saturday nights, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Feel (laughs) alright. Good. Had a coffee, all good. Yeah. Sam, are you well? Yeah, a lot better than I was last week. can speak this week, which is always a bonus. So. Yeah, coming on a podcast and not being able to talk is not really a good good combination, is it? No, it's not far from a recipe for success, put it like that. Um, we do also have a muted COVID Jimmy with us, so he'll probably join in in parts. Um, he's not muted because of COVID, he's just staying muted and he'll jump in as and when. I thought you were going to jump in then, but you're not. Um, <coughs> yeah. I can do. No, no, it's fine. Like, it's fine. I feel like, feel like death. I, but, I just um, figured I'd um, set set some context. I didn't want you jumping in and people being like, where the fuck's Jimmy come from? Uh, yeah, I'm just lurking in the background with some custard creams. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, if you like what we do here at From the Finney, as I say at the start of every episode, you can support the podcast. If you head over to supported.acast.com forward slash From the Finney, and yeah, anything that's received is massively appreciated. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, you can leave us a review on there. If you're listening on the Spotify app, you can leave us a star rating on there. Both, again, massively appreciated. But boys, we'll talk about Hull. First 10 minutes or so aside yesterday, first half was a bit naff, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't the best. I think we had a few half chances, didn't we, really? Um, a few shots outside the box. But in terms of actual quality, there wasn't a lot on show, was there, from both teams in the first half? It was a slow burner. I agree with Brownie on that. Like I, say, I think Reese tested the keeper quite early on, didn't he? And Robbie Brady's had a couple of attempts at succession from long range, but we never really got going. And obviously, you're expecting a reaction going into the second half, which we duly got, to be fair. I think we talked about it a bit last week. I thought, I thought Brady and Potts were too deep at times again in the first half. And I think... Um, I think that kind of we couldn't really get out of our own half at times, um, so I think we changed it in the second half in terms of we'll come on to it. But Brady moved over onto the right, didn't he? And I think that kind of changed things a little bit in terms of getting crosses in and looked a little bit more dangerous. But I think I think it is clear to see, and we keep going on about it. You know, obviously the right wing back issue is, you know, it's still an issue. Um, I think him taking pots off yesterday kind of made a bit of a point in it again, saying to. Ridsdale, you know, let's get it sorted now. 
uh, didn't help with it. Yeah, we've been. Agree, we're what? Uh, how many transfer windows in are we now where we play a back three and play with wing backs and we've still not sourced a first choice right wing back? It's our third, and it? We had the summer under McAvoy, then the January under Lowe, and then yeah. this summer now. So. We've yeah, not really not... spent anything, have we, if we're honest? In the yeah. two windows under Lowe, we've brought Woodman in. Uh, obviously, a second choice keeper in, in Dyke Cornell. Woodman on a one year. Uh, sorry, Woodburn on a one year. It's going to drive me mad this season, MC. Grady <laughs> um, on a one year. Like, a, a woman with what, about half a million quid, give or take, by all accounts. So, you know, it's two windows. We've not really spent anything. I know there's not a great deal to spend, but crying out for a right wing back, aren't we? Let's be honest. And obviously, there's a talk of the lad at Arsenal that might come in this week. That happens great, but. <laughs> You're putting all your eggs on an 18-year-old to solve your right-wing-back issue. Uh, I think that's a little bit harsh. You know, we've seen some of the, the criticism Troy Parrott's got yesterday for missing a chance. I mean, the kid's 20. It's like, he's coming here for development. Like, he's not a finished article. Uh, and neither's this other kid, this um, Taylor, no, Kathy Norton. Norton Cuffey. Yeah, Brooke that's Norton Cuffey, like, innit? Mate, you, you're gonna, I'm going to struggle with that name, aren't I, to be honest. Woodman Woodburn and a double-barrel surname. Yeah, I'm I'm screwed. But <laughs> I, I think like we've just got to be a bit a little bit realistic. Like it'd be great if we can bring them in, but are they gonna start forty six games or, or whatever's left of the season forty four is it now, in terms of league games? Um and be consistent throughout that at eighteen years old, I think you're asking a lot, like, in terms of expectations. I think Lowe's in the past talked about competition for squad place as well and I mean Norton Cuffey's gonna come in, he's probably gonna be your first choice right wing back, but the issue he's got there, if he does become tired, fatigued, does pick up any injuries or suspension, do I left with Brad Potts, who, you know, as as much as it's nice to see him involved again after receiving a lot of criticism under McAvoy, it's, he's plainly not good enough, is he? You know, he's slow to get going too deep, like Brownie said yesterday, and he's suddenly left with a problem where you've got, once again, a lack of depth, which is, you know, going to be our Achilles heel this year, I think. Yeah, but he's massively out of position as well. You, you've got to think that with Potts, you know, he came to the football club as, a, as an 8-10, and under low in that game at Stoke, he's been chucked in at right wing back, absolutely smashed it, probably the best game he's ever played for us. And now we expect him to be the answer when ultimately he is a square peg in a round, round hole. And it just highlights to me like we do need someone in that position, that competition, because I think Lowe's mentioned it again yesterday, he's got two lads that he needs to get rid of. And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to work out they're going to be all of Sunday and Harrod. You know, so he's. Your second choice right wing back in a way is the lad you're trying to bomb out the club and get rid of. And then you put Robbie Brady there yesterday in the second half. And I thought Brady looked all right. I thought, you know, he had something about him yesterday. And his delivery is decent. You know, he can play played at a higher level in terms of his quality. But you're pinning everything on, you know, a square peg again, you know, in terms of playing a, a left winger at right wing back. I'm like, come on. Do you so, think. Do you think the players are fully on board and have, have adapted to low style of play? I think they have. I mean, I mean, I think, look, we've got to remember, you know, we had, what, 60% possession yesterday. Dominated the second half, really. Um, and, you know, with with a hit, you know, a couple of chances here and there that have gone in, we'd probably be having a different conversation. So I do think, do think yesterday we played well in the second half. Um, and... You know, as you're further into the season, you know, does Parrot score that chance? You know, 
Does Reese get on the score sheet? I just think I just think we were a little bit unlucky in the second half yesterday, really, when you think about it. And and also, what options have we got? You know, you're looking at you're flogging Reese and Parrot. We've got no striker on the bench to bring on to change the game. And he's not going to bring on Mikey O'Neill, is he? So that's another area, obviously, where we need to sort out because we've only got two strikers, haven't we? Um, So until we get the additions in and get it sorted, you probably can't really criticise too much in terms of where we are. Um, it might, it might be too late then, but you know, I think that's I one think of our we'll... criticisms of us. Uh, sorry, Jimmy, just that, like obviously, one of the big changes this year going into this season is you've got the option to make five substitutions. Which I think one of the criticisms was a lot of the, the bigger clubs, the bigger wage structures, is probably going to benefit more when you've got that quality on the bench to bring on. But I mean, like yesterday, Lowe's got five substitutions available to him, but he's only used two of them. I think they only bring on uh, Woodburn and Alvarez. And that just shows, in it, you know, some clubs are going to be bringing on, you know, players of an equal or even greater quality. But I don't think we've got that when you're looking at Mikey O'Neill on the bench. Obviously, you've got the likes of Ryan Ledson and Ali McCann who offer something. But in terms of changing the game or giving you that attacking input off the bench, that's an area that we're, you know, we are really lacking. And I think that's one that they've got to address before the end of the window that could potentially help us in games like yesterday. I think, as well, just obviously mentioned Mikey O'Neill there. There's been a lot, hasn't there, from the fans that. They want to see more from some of the young lads this season, and I think if you if you're a club that's serious about pushing for the top six, I don't think you can afford to give too many minutes to young lads that have won their league at a canter because it's like it's a piss poor league. Like the step up from that to the championship, if you are serious about pushing for the top six, it's just it's massive. Well, I don't even think he'll, he'll he won't start on Tuesday, really. So, um, although there'll be people who are saying he should, you know, he came on for the end of last season, played a few games, looked pretty good to be fair to him. But if we're being realistic, he, he needs a proper loan, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he needs a proper loan, doesn't he? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think a loan at a decent level would do him the world of good versus staying around. And playing more central league games and, and youth games. Uh, in terms of, obviously, we, we've touched on how the second half was a massive improvement yesterday. I think 73% possession we had in the second half. Uh, obviously, 63% overall for the game. I think, Sam, you touched on it before we started recording that the frustration, I think, about yesterday's game was that it especially with that second half, it was one that feels like three points dropped. And that's the frustration. It's not the... Um, it's not that you're not being entertained, although I didn't think there was much to be entertained by in the first half. But the second half, there was no doubt. You know, I think no one created a higher XG than us yesterday in the in the game. And yeah, I think that that's the big frustration in it that it's three points dropped more than, well, no, two points dropped. Sorry, different ways you can look at it, isn't there? I mean, there's every. I think I think the worst game for me is when you've drawn a game like all you're thinking we've hardly created anything, and yes, they've come probably with getting a point in the back of their minds. But I think the frustrating game, like at Wigan, I felt we didn't really create that much. There's obviously a few flurry chances towards the end of the first half, but yesterday you are creating a lot of chances, and you know. You potentially the ball dropping to Brown following Brady in the bar. You potentially a bit more 
sort of clinicalness shown for me the race or parrot away, you're probably walking away with a one or two no win and everyone's buzzing saying it's a really encouraging performance. So I think at this stage of the season you've got to be level headed, but then performances keep coming and you know, we keep Reese and Parrot fully back to score a lot of goals between them this year and I think there's no reason why we can't, you know, start winning them games. It's just quite frustrating to be sat on two points from a potential six or quite winnable on paper. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I think after last week, even if last week when we got the point, you know, you look at Hull yesterday, they were pretty happy with the point, weren't they? From quite early on. They yeah, were wasting could, time was, at like half time. I was going to say, um, you could see it toward the end of the first half, couldn't you, what, what they were settling for yeah. already? And they're sat there now with four points, you know, and their fans are probably having a completely different conversation to what we're having. So, whereas really, you know, we were the better team yesterday, weren't we? Um, so, I don't think there's much to get too upset about at the minute, if I'm perfectly honest. It'd be nice if we had six points, but there were signs there yesterday. Yeah, 100%. Um, so. And I know it's only two games, but I touched on XG before, uh, and I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but we're second in the table behind Burnley so far this season, and no one has a higher XG in the Championship for home games. Again, I know it's only two games in. It's a massive caveat. But like you said, Brownie, I think that indicates, doesn't it, that there is signs there. And I think, do you think that there's maybe a little bit more to be positive about so far this season than perhaps the mood reflects? Um, well, I mean, the XG is, is a useful barometer, isn't it, to determine how you are actually performing. Um, I've no doubt we'll probably get some tweets tomorrow saying, uh, <laughs> you don't get points for XG, lads. <laughs> no. Yeah, but it, it you know it's a sign of how how you're playing. You know, you're creating chances, um, and you know we clearly are. Um, and we're only two games in, aren't we? I don't think you can get too. I mean, even if we've lost both games, you know, you can't get too um, upset um, because you know there's plenty of games to go. It is just frustrating because they are on paper, you know, two decent games to get six points from, aren't they? It just shows the fair margin of football, though. I mean, literally one of them chances go in, we're saying it's a great performance. We're sat in fifth place, we're thinking, really positive start, but that's football, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I think one thing's worth mentioning that potentially could be a reason the mood is so low is I think yesterday was the most pissed off I've thought low-sounded after a game since he's been here, or one of the most, anyway, taking out that Luton game last year. So I think, you know, for a manager, it's a big caveat, really, of, you know, creating a positive atmosphere and, Togetherness, he sounded fuming yesterday, and also he had that reaction to the quite fair question by Guy Clark. So I think maybe a frustration from him could be one of the reasons it sort of leaked onto the fan base. Well, he's yeah. got to be frustrated, Annie, from the you know the situation. You know, we we seem to be, although it's gone quiet, we still seem to be chasing Robinson. And you know, how long has he got to wait to get his striker in? And obviously the right wing back situation. So there's probably a bit of frustrations there where he thinks. You know what? If I had a better right wing back, or if I could bring on a striker yesterday, it might have been a completely different game. Um, so he's bound to be frustrated, isn't he? I think. Yeah, I do think as well with Ryan. Um, as as much as I think he's a, a nice person, you know, when I've met him, I do think he is a little bit wary of press. Yeah, I, I get the sense that he, he. I don't know. I think if he was under pressure a little bit, he could get quite defensive, um, which is fine. Um, yeah, that's obviously he's got, isn't it? he's got this persona that's, you know, 
Um, he's very media savvy, isn't he? Um, you know, he does a lot. Of, he does a lot of punditry work, doesn't he, and stuff like that. So he knows how things work. Um, but he's not really been under pressure that much as a manager here yet, has he? Um, and you know, the question. I don't think we go over the top with it, but it was a pretty fair question. Um, yeah, and he seemed a little bit more defensive than usual. I think- do you think there's, and again, it's another episode where we're mentioning Alex Neal, but do you think there's parallels between how Alex was starting to sound frustrated toward the end of his time here and I think Lowe is clearly starting to get frustrated now as well? I think it's bound to be, isn't there? I mean, they've both come, they've both, you know, on the, on the coaching CV, he's got positives that are going to, you know, think they're going to believe themselves if they got back, they could have had a lot of success and I think, you know, when it's suddenly you get into the Preston job, you realise the budget's not what it is. You, you know you're going to lose out on targets. You know, we are a small fish in a, a very, very big pond. I think they're bound to be frustrated. You've just got to hope that, you know, the performances don't stop dropping like they didn't draw Alex Neal. And obviously that's no disrespect to Alex Neal himself. But I think we all know towards the end it wasn't what it was at the start and, you know, throughout his tenure. I do feel, though, that in general managers are frustrated by the transfer window, especially when it kicks when it's still ongoing when you've kicked off the season. I think Wilder mentioned it, didn't he, the other week? Um, I think it was Wilder, wasn't it? About how ridiculous it is that the the season starts and the transfer window is still open. And you, you know, you're playing games here where you haven't got your full squad in. It's bound to be frustrating. And then you're getting questioned at every single interview about transfers and stuff like that. So I think there's an element that whether it's, you know, whether you're at Preston or not, there's a frustration with the transfer window in general, I think, from all managers. Yeah, I'd agree with that, to be fair. Uh, and it, it is a bit, it does seem a bit backward, doesn't it, that you've got a month of the season played where you're still looking to make changes to your squad. Like, why not just shut it a month early or do away with it completely like we have in the past? Because when did the transfer window only get introduced? Was it during the noughties, like mid to late noughties or something? And then obviously Sky have run away with it and marketed the hell out of it and it's this whole thing, isn't it, now? Um, that people just love reading about rumours and gossip and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not an expert on the transfer window, but I don't see why there's why you couldn't go back to what it was where there was no transfer window, so to speak. I think for smaller clubs as well, like us, where you you're having to find bargains or penny pinch here and there. It just means that you, you are often waiting until the end of the transfer window because you're having to get the best deals. You know, if you're a club like Man City, you can go out and get your top targets on day one and you're all sorted. But, you know, and all that does then is it, it affects the start of our season, doesn't it? Because we're going to have to wait until the transfer window closes to get who we want in. So it doesn't really help us as a football club. Um, you know, especially when we're we're missing two key areas, aren't we? Yeah, hundred percent. I've just seen uh, George's message that Burnley looks set to clinch set Vandenberg on loan. Painful that. Yeah, very. Talking of transfers, then I see Chad Evans been linked with Wigan this morning. Do you see that one happening? I think it's got to make sense for us to let him go. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not Chad's biggest fan, and I don't think many of us here are, but. We are really light on numbers and to the extent now you're looking at it that anybody's better than nobody. So I think he's got to leave, probably give us a transfer fee and then we've got to, you know, have bodies lined up to come in because we probably need one as it is anyway. And then if Chad goes, we've got to get two more in. So I think we've got to have people lined up or else you do run that risk of going into, 
you know, the uh, the next sort of five or six weeks with just the two started yesterday and young Marky off the bench, who, as we mentioned before, you can't really be relying on at his age. The concern for me is that he doesn't really free up that much wages. I can't imagine he's on a lot, Chad. So, you know, we're already supposedly at the, the top end of our budget. If you release Chad and you replace him with someone with more quality, can we do that? I, I don't think we can, unless, unless it's another loan. Yeah. Um, so, look, if you're aiming to be in the top six, you're not going to have Chad Evans as one of your strikers, are you? So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd look to get rid of him. Um, but I do fear, you know, the way we're going at the minute, would that mean that we'd have, we'd, we'd keep Maguire and then we'd have, you know, we'd still be after that one striker. I think that's that would be the case. Yeah, I think it's the it's the North End way, isn't it? It's got us written all over it to do something like that. But can can you see if a club coming in and paying a fee for Chet Evans? He's in the last year of his contract. He's what thirty three? Is he thirty four? Um. It's not going to be a lot, is it? If it is. It's going to be small, yeah. Or they work out some kind of deal where they take on his, his wages for the rest of his contract and then it frees us up. But like you say, Brownie, if that happens, then it's not really going to be... A it's not going to make of... much difference, is it? No, yeah, financially it won't really put us in a better position to maybe go out and seal the Callum Robinson deal because we've let Jed Evans go. It's not like you're selling Reese where you may get you know, 10 million for him or whatever. And then you've got the money plus, you know, the, the free wages in order to strengthen one or two areas. You're kind of losing somebody who, you know, he's not he's not costing us that much and he's not really an asset, is he? Um, so I don't think it made much difference, to be honest. But I think, I think Wigan were interested in him, weren't they? Although it's come from Alan Nixon, I think, twice. But I think last summer there was links with, with Wigan then, so there might be something in it. I think it was a loan move they were linked with today, though, wasn't it? Which, again, is just a case of paying his wages out. It's just like us might as well release him in it without paying anything. It's a very it's a very Liam Richardson signing, isn't it? You look at the way Wigan's set up and you can see him slotting in there. Rotation option with um, Josh McGuinness. Yeah, it's, you know, the way they played last week, you know, he fit in nicely there, I think. If I was a Wigan fan, I wouldn't exactly be excited by it, man. No, he wasn't. No, but I think they're just settling for staying in the league, aren't they, this season? Yeah, and that says it all, doesn't it? You know, you've got a club like Wigan going after Chad Evans, but you know, quite a large number of our fan base seems to think that he's he's an option for us up front. When you know, this is a team that's looking to stay in the division, and we're supposedly a team that's looking to get top six. Yeah, this comes down to the pen, the pass, though, doesn't it? It's poor recruitment. I mean, why do we give Chad a two-year contract? 18 months ago, if we're going to be sat here and having this conversation, it's just poor recruitment that's put us in this position in the past, isn't it? I mean, we shouldn't even be having this conversation, but we are. Yeah, exactly. Um, on strikers then, what what do you think of Troy's chance yesterday? Obviously, the ball from Ben Woodburn's absolutely unbelievable. Um, and to be fair to Troy, his touch is immaculate. I think it's just that extra touch or two that he takes, trying to set himself and just, just gives gives Ingram time to come out and the whole defender time to get back and just the angle's narrowed and it makes it a much more difficult chance for him. I think I watched it when I was watching it in live, I was quite frustrated by it. I thought he'd, like you say, shown a lot of hesitancy, which I think he still did, but when I watched it back and I saw it from another angle, I think it's just a case of he's trying to get it out of his feet and give himself the perfect opportunity, isn't he? And it's just 
it's one of them, isn't it? I think once he's scored his first goal, he's a lot more confident and he, you know, it's one touch out his feet and bang. But I think it's just a case of all the strikers, him and Reese, that once they get that first goal, them type of chances are put away regularly. It's just like Lowe suggested there, once they get that first one, he thinks they'll start flying in. Yeah, I, I thought when I saw it initially, I thought it was a better chance than what it actually was. Because um, I think the defender was coming across, wasn't he? Um, probably could have hit it. Um, after his first touch, maybe. And then he tries to put the keeper on the floor, doesn't he, in the end, and doesn't quite work out. Um, but you've got to remember as well, Parrott, is that it, last time in the Championship, he, he didn't have a particularly good goal record, so that might be playing on his mind a little bit. But I think once he gets that first one, like Sam says, he'll be all right. But overall, his play yesterday was really good. Um, you can see what he offers. So, yeah, I thought, pretty impressed with him so far, to be honest. Can't yeah. believe fans are slating him myself. Sorry, Jake, but just like can't believe fans are slating him. I thought his link up play was really good. He looks you know, by that chance just after the first half, that ability to shift it and get a shot away one on one. I think that's what we've often lacked with our strikers. I think if he scores one of the chances yesterday, I think he had that one where he headed it down when Brown at the post as well. I thought that was, you know, arguably even more a present presentable opportunity than the uh, the one where he got played through by Woodburn. But I think if he scores yesterday, everyone's raving about him and saying he looks like a a wonderful piece of business, but the fact he's not scores and fans are getting on his back, which can't help. I just think it's he's got to have a bit of patience with these loan players. They are coming here to develop. They're not the finished article, or else they wouldn't be here. But I think you yeah. know, one goal yesterday, and everyone's raving about it. I think it comes back to what we said before, doesn't it? You know, you look at the way we're we're playing and the way we're setting up. We are creating chances. We're talking here two games in. Troy Parrott's had two, maybe three chances to score in two games. Emil's had two probably as well so that's five chances there that you'd say you'd you'd maybe expect them to get two maybe three from those five chances in the two games as it is that's not the case but I think if we were sitting here not having not created those chances it'd be a different conversation just shows yeah. a difference in quality though sorry Jeremy, but uh, how often you know when you're watching like a Sean Maguire or a Chad Evans do they we're talking about a missing chances. It's hardly ever like I don't think people realise it's it's a skill in itself to get in the right positions and be on the end of chances. And you'd much rather these strikers be on the end of them and missing them than not getting in them positions at all. Yeah, exactly. And like if you compare it to the start of last season, you know we were barely we were barely creating any chances, um, and things were a lot more you know negative, weren't they? I think that's, I still think there's there's lots to be positive about me. Yeah. I'm sure the goals will come soon enough. Yeah, I've no doubt. And uh, like like you said, Brownie, I think there's plenty to be positive about. Uh, yesterday was just feels like an opportunity missed more than anything, which I think is the biggest frustration. But on we go. Um, speaking of on we go, I think unless you boys have got nothing else to say, we can call that part one. No, mate. Sound? Oh, happy days. Right, I'll see you in part two for some listener questions. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We've got a few listener questions to answer and then we'll look ahead to 
first round of the League Cup, Carabao Cup, and Luton away. Um, but before we do that, I think it would be remiss of us not to mention Deepdale yesterday. I think pretty good turnout in terms of numbers, but I think the the biggest and most impressive thing was the, the welcome that the players got when they came onto the pitch. Obviously, all the hard work that John Kelly and the people at PNE Online and uh, North End Soul have sort of put in through the summer to get all these flags ready and I believe there's still more flags to come as well um it it looked impressive and yeah long may it continue yeah it looked good didn't it I think it's it just great to see the town and full as well um for the start of the season and the flags made it um look pretty impressive didn't it and got everyone in the, the carnival atmosphere I suppose so yeah, well done to everyone involved. Yeah, I think we've for a long time since we've come back to the championship and probably went down before. Deep does like that sort of, you know, atmosphere, hasn't it? It's like the atmosphere, it's like that, you know, sort of factor of the fans getting behind the team. And I think yesterday was probably the first time we've had something stand out like that in a long time and you know, long may it continue, hopefully it becomes a regular thing at home games. Yeah, and if you've taken a flag home, don't be a bastard, bring it back. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, we'll start with some listener questions. There was a few came in on sort of similar kind of topics, so instead of reading out just one or two or three of the same questions, I've kind of written my own version of them. Um, But one of the ones that there was a few similar tweets came in about was sort of broken promises that have been, well, promises that have been made to the manager and broken. Um, I know where I stand on that, but I'm intrigued to know where you boys stand on sort of these supposed broken promises do you think that is the case or do you think that's maybe a simplistic way of looking at a transfer window and how football clubs are run it's a tricky one to talk on I think I mean Lowe's quite often reiterated and asked about transfers I think the fact he worked at Berry before and they were a financial mess he probably understands it more than other managers but he said we're not willing to go beyond our budget so I don't think he's been promised you know huge amounts of money to spend I don't think it's ever going to be the case with that at North End but I mean, it's you know, it's been quite, it's been made no secret in sort of some national press and that that we've missed out on certain targets. You no, know, Andre Gray, Ryan Christie, we've been linked within the Sun. I think there was a lot of talk about big names while the season ticket campaign was going on, and that does seem to have dried up since. You know, see where the rumours are coming from. But I mean, it all depends what you define broken promises as, really, doesn't it? Yeah, everyone seems to say that, don't they? Every manager's have broken promises. You don't know what you don't know what. Or if any promises have been made, do you? Um, I think in the past, the frustration with our transfer and recruitment policy is that you know we tend to sell our best players and replace them with players who aren't as good. But I don't think Lowe's had that situation yet, so I think his frustrations probably lie, like I said before, naturally. Just you know, frustrations with the transfer window. He's not got the two players, extra players, in he wants. But you know, obviously, the transfer window hasn't ended yet, so. I think it's probably a little bit too soon to go down that path. Um, it seems to be something that people do say a lot, but I don't know, you know. The window hasn't closed yet, so has he had any promises broken? Probably not. But you know, it's all part of being a Preston North End manager. I'm afraid yeah, you're not going to get you're not going to get the best players in the country, and I. No, it's what we said in it in the first half. You know, it's it comes with being being in this job, I guess. Uh, you know, go all the way back to Billy Davis. David, maybe not David Moyes, but, you know, 
Billy left ultimately because he, he didn't get the backing that he wanted. And it's it's been the same story ever since. Um, another one that, that sort of a few questions came in on a similar sort of topic was the this supposed relationship between Ryan Lowe and Emil Reese. Some people on Twitter saying that it looks like there's a negative atmosphere between them and that Lowe is constantly on at Emil Reese and Emil looks interest disinterested, sorry, at times during the game. What what do you think of that? I think I've said it before. I, I don't think Lowe rates Reese. I, I just don't think he um ever since he's been here, you know, there was times last season where he was he was on the bench and Ched was starting. Um, you know, despite the fact that he went on to score twenty goals. But um you do see him visibly frustrated with Reese, but I mean he doesn't help himself Reese, does he at times? Um so yeah, I think uh, I, I just, I, yeah, I just don't think. I, I think, I don't think Lowe would sign Reese. Let's put it that way. Um, so I think he is visibly frustrated with him. But in terms of look, Reese looking disinterested, I think Reese has always looked like that, hasn't he? He doesn't really. He always has that demeanour. I don't think it's anything to do with Lowe in particular. Yeah, I think that's just how he carries himself, isn't it? One thing I didn't notice, to be fair, in pre-season is that you never know it might, what the relationship is behind closed doors. It might be a bit of tough love. I mean. I think last season he scored a lot of goals, but there was some obvious problems with his all-round play. You know, he struggled back to goal, and I thought in the friendlies against Hearts and Leicester, when I saw, I thought his general play looked like it had come on a lot. And obviously, he signed a new deal, so unless we cash in for him, he's, we've got time to develop him. And you know, eventually, being the selling club that we basically are, just improving best we can, get as much out of him, and hopefully, sell him for as big a fee as possible in a few years. To be fair just, to Lowe, he hasn't. He has. I don't know whether he's coached him or what, but Reese's all-round play is, has improved since Lowe came in. Yeah, I don't and think there's any Lowe doubt was, about that, is there? Back Lowe to was a striker one there. there. Um, um, so it's helped him in that regard. There's aspects of his game that you'd be pulling your hair out about, and don't get me wrong, there's still things that you pull your hair out about now, but I don't think you can criticise his all-round play as much anymore. Um I think it's an interesting one, though, that you say you don't think Lowe would have signed... Reese had he had had the choice. Um, I think he would have. I think in that position, as a manager, you know, we've said it. It comes. It comes as part of being the manager of Preston North End. I think if you're presented with a a striker at a million quid or whatever we paid for a meal one point two, you you're not going to say no, are you? Because you're not really in a position to. Because it's not like you'd be presented with two or three different options in that sort of price range. I think Lowe knows he's never going to bring in a finished article either because he's mentioned, I think you mentioned it when he was on the pod here with you, Jake. He said, uh, you've got players who you know, might have certain attributes and you've got to coach them on others. So when you're talking about Emil Reese, you've got you know natural pace, natural ability to beat a man, but then you've got to coach him potentially on holding the ball up, bringing others into play. That link-up play is such, so he surely knows when he comes to Preston North End, he's not going to have a finished article. So it's probably just his way of coaching Reese, I like to think, because... It's nothing personal, is it? As he always says, it's football. He's going to want to do win as many games as he can for Preston. He's going to want Reese scoring as many goals as he can for Preston. So it's just maybe his way of coaching him. Yeah, I just think if he was presented with an opportunity to sign somebody else, I think he would do. Um, and we've seen it. Uh, he wants Andre Gray and Callum Robinson. Um, you know, for, for example, if we did bring Gray in, where does that leave Reese? Because you know, would Gray play every week? Um, you don't know. 
obviously you want to bring in players to improve you, of course, but I think um I just I don't know, I just get the feeling I have ever since he came in that I just don't think he particularly likes him. One one question that came in from Matt Colbert on Twitter, he asked what changed at half time? What did Lowe do and why can't we start like we played in the second half? Um what well, I just think we were a little bit more on the front foot in the second half. We came out um, straight away. Could see Brown was on it in the second half. I thought he had a really good second half, Brown. Um, and I think we had a little bit more urgency. Man I think it helped. Um, you know what? I think I, I thought Story did all right yesterday. Um, yeah, same. But, yeah, I think Brown would have been up there, yeah, certainly. Um, looked as though... You know, he was getting in positions to get chances and stuff, which is always when, when Brown's at his best when he's in around the box. So I thought he did well. But in terms of, I mean, what he did, obviously Brady went on the right at one point. Um, Fernandez came on. We thought gave us a little bit more running power. Um, and obviously Potts was off the field. And we were just getting, like, kind of peppering balls into the box, weren't we, in the second half? Um, every time Brady got it, we were looking to cross it in. So... In terms of why can't we start that way, I mean, we've touched on it before, haven't we, with Lowe? We don't really start games too well um, under him. It's been the, the same ever since he's been here. So whether it's by, by design or not, I don't know. I doubt it. I can't see why a manager would want deliberately no. want to set up to be poor in the first half. And... We might want to set up not to concede. Yeah, but I think you can set up not to concede and not be poor. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, like, because all you're doing there is just giving yourself a bit more pressure and a bit more of a mountain to climb in the second half. I think we've got to start with, on top, though, with the system of play, especially when Robbie Brady's in the team. I know we mentioned in the group chat, we might mention, does he fit the system? But I think Brady's only effective for us when he's sort of, we've got a lot of possession, he's getting as far up the field as he can do because we're crossing deep to, Emil Reese, who I don't think has ever scored a header for us, has he? And Troy Parrott, who certainly looking at him from these two games, he wasn't classed as someone who's thrown head in the ball. So well, we are crossing from deep, and he was better on the right hand side. I think that's when we sort of grew into the game last sort of half an hour when he switched over there. And, you know, he's able to get in them sort of deep in the opposition half. But when we're crossing from deep early doors, I just think he's sort of, I don't see why the strategy is going to work. I can't see why we'd be targeting crosses into the box to those two strikers. Yeah. Reese missed another header yesterday, didn't he? Um, which is quite... It's certainly not a strong six... point, is no. it? No. He was round the, round the six-yard box, wasn't it? And, and and that's another thing, what I'm saying about Reese and Lowe's relationship with him. You know, he, he if we're going to play that way and put crosses in the box, then he's not going to... You know, Reese. that isn't what Reese is good at. Um, so it's probably why he would look at something different. Um, so, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think Brady Brady's got that quality, hasn't he? You can just see it. And you do wonder whether half the other players are on the same wavelength as him sometimes. Seems to have a pretty good relationship with DJ, doesn't he? You know, a couple of the preseason games and um the the two games so far this season, you've seen there's been flashes where they've linked up quite well. They seem to be, like you say, Brownie on the same wavelength and they've both got that quality that you want in a side at this level. Um, as far as finished articles that we mentioned before, I'd say Robbie Brady's probably as close to a finished article as we're going to get. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. I think Hughes as well, when you mentioned that, 
link up on the left, Jake. I think that could be another issue for us as well. That you know, I've, as much as Jordan's story has been good, I'd arguably give him man of the match from the last two games we've played. But compared to Hughes on the opposite side, and obviously when you got Potts, Brown, and Story, you've not got the same sort of athleticism as you have on the left, which I think can sort of hinder us going forwards as well. Yeah, if you were our team, if you were an opposition team at the minute, you'd be making sure the ball goes down our right hand side, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. It's not not as uh, as worrying as our left. What if if a, if a centre back became an option this window? Given how story started, would you prioritise a centre centre back or a right centre back this summer? The right one for me. I think we just lack someone who can carry the ball. And it's nothing against Story, but I mean, there's no reason you look at Story's strength. You know, he seems to have come on a lot good in the air. He's good on the ball in terms of when he's stationary, not bringing it out. I don't think there's any reason why Story can't slot in the middle and you bring in that right centre half because Story's obviously a bit more quicker and I wouldn't say he's quick and agile, but I'd say he's quicker and more agile than a Lindsay or a Bauer. So could you not play with strengths, put him in the middle and look at bringing in a, you know, even a right back to slot in a. Uh, right centre back like he's as or you know a more naturally ball carrying right back like set was. There's times where you'd want you're looking at yesterday, you know, where Brady's got the ball and he's on the right hand side and he's cutting on his left foot. Ideally, you'd want a Hughes type on the right to over you know overlap there, wouldn't you? And give an option, but Story isn't going to do that, so you kind of just stuck with you know Brady cutting it back and, and crossing it in. So it's a uh, it's definitely an area that needs to improve, it, as as well as Story has done in the last couple of games. Yeah, yeah, overlapping certainly not a strong point, is it? Bless him. No. <laughs> um, last question then. This one's coming from Lewis Peony on Twitter, and he's asked, "Why is Ali McCann not getting a look in? Was one of the best players in the Frankie team, and ever since Lowe came in, he's not had one good run out. He's easily one of the best players in our team, in my opinion." I think he's just a bit of a spare part. I mean, we've all seen McCann's quality. And when he has played under low, I think he has impressed. I mean, although we keep mentioning the fact the dead rubbers, I thought the Middlesbrough game last year in the Barnsley game where uh, DJ was at left wing back, he did really well. But I just think the type of play McCann is and the, the way Lowe wants his midfielders to play, you know, he wants to make them channel runs and having that sort of attacking output. I don't think if we had Ryan Lowe last summer, I don't think we signed Ali McCann because I don't think he's the type of player for that system so it is a really tricky one because we know we've got a player who has that quality and when he comes with a big transfer fee similar to Bayless there is that demand for him to get game sort of minutes and games from the fan base but you just got to realise sometimes players have certain strengths and are made for certain systems and often you're stuck in a situation like we are with McCann where a player has that quality but he just doesn't fit the system the manager wants to implement which is the case we've got now yeah, he just doesn't fit in. I think there's a there's a stronger case for for Ben Woodburn to be honest to be getting a start. I think that's that's the player who who you really should be looking at to get getting a start over over McCann because like like Sam says, McCann just doesn't fit in the in in the system. It's as simple as that, really. Um, and I do, I do think it's a case of whenever we do spend a bit of money on players, people do you know just think that they they should be in the team every week, but you got to think about, you know, one million pound. We've said it before. In this day and age, is not a large transfer fee. It might be for us, but it doesn't mean you, um, you know, you're destined to start every week. Um, and, and ultimately, it just doesn't fit in the way low plays. No, a million quid in this day and age is just running the mill, isn't it? 
Yeah. Lowe's quite stubborn on his tactics too. I mean, he mentioned in the article on the... Coach's voice. Co- no, it was Coach's voice, that's all. Uh, yeah, he did an article and he said then he believes in his system, he doesn't want to change his system and, you know, so you've got a manager quite stubborn on his system and then I don't think as good as Ali McCann has been when he's played. I don't think he's done enough to make the manager whole, rethink his whole setup and system to fit him in. So, if he does play, it's a case of a you know, square peg and a round hole, which we've had problems with, as previously mentioned, with the likes of Potts at right wing back. I've seen people say, oh, you know, he should come in a Whiteman replacement, but he's not even a, a Whiteman replacement. He's nowhere near as good on the ball as, as Whiteman is. Um, and, and obviously, he's not he's not going to play in, in the roles that, that DJ and Brown are playing. So, I think, and also, people saying yesterday, like, oh, why didn't he bring McCann on? Well, he's not going to change the game, is he? You're not, you know, if you want to get a win, bringing McCann on isn't going to get you the, the three points. Necessarily. He's not the kind of player that's going to pick up a ball and do a couple of step overs and shoot from twenty yards. No, but when he brought Woodburn on, who, you know, that that ball for Parrot was was amazing yesterday. He's the type of player you're going to bring on when you want to win a game. Um, it's unfortunate because I do like McCann. He's a very good player, but he just doesn't fit in the system. No, and I think Tuesday night is probably going to be one for Ali, isn't it? Maybe a midfield three of Ledson, McCann and Woodburn. Yeah, what what do you make of, of the cup game? Um, are either of you going? I am, yeah. But, no, I'm not going to Yeah, Like we say, it's a good chance for a few of the players who have, like Ali McCann, like Ben Woodburn, who will feel they've you know, got to stake a claim for getting football Patrick Bauer as well will probably won't be playing football he's not used to not being a regular in the side so they're always funny these cup ties aren't they they tend to be a bit of dead rubber affairs just just a good chance to you know some of the players to stake a claim and you know just prove to the manager that they should be getting minutes in the championship I, I mean in an, in an ideal situation I suspect Lowe probably would have wanted to make seven or eight eight or nine changes but I'm not sure how many options he's got, especially when you move further up the field. You know, Fernandez will probably start. Hughes will probably have to start on the left of the three. Um, probably see Bambo come in on the right, Bauer in, in the centre. Do you think he keeps Woodman in, or do you think Cornell will get a, go, uh, a game? Uh, I think he'll probably keep play. Cornell. Yeah. Yeah. Then, again, whether or not we get someone in, in time for Tuesday, you'd probably see Potts starting on the right. It probably will be a midfield three of Ladson, McCann and Woodburn, or at least two of those three, I would imagine. And then up front, it's Parrot and Reese again, isn't it? That might be not be a bad thing, though. It might not be a bad thing for Parrot and Reese to start. So if he can get a couple of goals under the belt, um, he'd probably look to... If we had four strikers, he'd probably drop both of them, wouldn't he? But I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that those two are still starting. It's a good chance if Huddersfield rotate, you're probably playing against potentially weaker players, so you've got every chance of them scoring. And like I said before, that confidence brewing. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Marky O'Neill get minutes. I think he's more likely to come on in a, say, dead rubber game, but like a dead rubber cup game than he is in you know, the full flow of the championship. So if he can come on and get minutes, he could potentially further his development or for him to get on a goal or an assist or something, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know uh, Lowe did it a couple of times in pre-season. Do you think there maybe could be a shape change? Maybe a 3-4-3, so he could maybe afford to drop one of the front two and, and play one through the middle on their own with, I don't know, maybe DJ and 
Woodburn on either side, for example, or DJ Brown. It'd be a good opportunity to try something. But I'll have to wait and see. Just going back to the game against Hull, obviously the the Robinson link's not going away. Do you think if we had have brought someone like Callum Robinson, well, if we had have brought Callum Robinson in by the time we played Hull yesterday, do you think someone like him would have been able to sort of unpick that lock yesterday that we failed to do? I think that's probably one of Robinson's strengths, isn't it? He's sort of like one of them players who can pick up the ball in the half space. I felt, even though Troy Parrott, I think, has offered that a little bit, you think Robinson's probably the type of player who could sort of drink an opportunity open in a half space, but I don't think he'd have done anything before that. I don't think he's a type of player when he crossed the balls from 30 yards away, he's going to head it in, is he? But I think later in the game when they're sitting in, he's the type of player you'd want sort of trying to, like you say, pick open that defence. And that's a problem we've had for years now, you know, when teams sit in deep against us. We've not really had that quality to break teams down. Um, and Robinson's got, you know, he's definitely got that quality, hasn't he? So, I think it would have been useful to be able to bring him on yesterday, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Um, what, what's your prediction for Huddersfield then? Obviously, they've lost their first two games of the season. I think it'll be three on the trot. Uh, win on pens. Yeah, I'm going to go same. Nil-nil in the game and then penalties. Not another nil-nil sound, sure. <laughs> no, I can sense it. Oh, Sam. Another nil-nil. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's back down to business a week on Saturday, travelling to our favourite away ground in the entire country. Yeah. Can't wait for another battering. Yeah, we never travel well to uh, Luton, do we? 7 0 the combined from the last two, isn't it? Thanks for that, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, yeah, they're like us. They've drawn both their games this season, scored one more goal than us. Uh, another side that plays a back three, and we know the quality that Nathan Jones has got as a as a manager. Um, and to be fair, they're, they're one club that I really like what they've done in the window so far as well. Um, to say I'm not overly confident. Well, that, that that's exactly where I'm at. I'm not overly confident heading into the game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a ground where you can easily let uh, the fans get on top of you, can't you? Um, which I think we found. Because remember when it was during COVID, we had, there was a period when we played them when First they were allowed. Back, wasn't it? Their, well, no, they were allowed, well, after that, and then we played them after, the season after, and they were allowed fans in for a certain period, weren't they? And we got battered again then. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those grounds where not a nice place to go to and it works in their advantage, doesn't it? Um, but hopefully we go down there. Um, you know, we've, we've been creating chances. We've we've kept two clean sheets. There's no reason why we can't go down there and get something. Just so you do, isn't it? Because especially talking about negativity with the fan base, I mean, say you go to Luton and lose, you're on two points from a possible nine and then people do start getting on the bats and then you, you go there and you win you're suddenly on five points from two five points from a possible nine even and then suddenly it looks a lot more positive so I think it's important we do go there and get something I think you know we talk about Lowe being a slow starter in them games I think if you go all guns blazing and go toe-to-toe with a Luton team I think you're going to seriously struggle but if you can you know like we did potentially yesterday even though we spoke a bit negative on it today try and keep level to half time and then sort of try and stamp your authority on the game in the second half you know it's it's football there's every chance we can come out with three points I wouldn't 
put money on it, but it's possible. Our last five games there, Jimmy's saying, is a 3-0 defeat, 2-0 defeat, 1-1, 3-0 defeat, 4-0 defeat. <laughs> and the 1-1 was when there was no fans there, wasn't it? Yeah, um, last Callum on it. Yeah, yeah, that was when... five minutes or so. Yeah, when you just thought, we needed that win, didn't we, straight off the back straight of it? Straight off the bat, yeah. That's a 13-1 aggregate from the last five, by the way. Just yeah. seven those are out. So hopefully, but you know, we've done it before, haven't we? Yeah. We've gone and smashed bad records and, and come away with a win, so. yeah. Well, records are there to be broken, aren't they? Another cliche for Ollie. There we go, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your prediction then, boys? I'm gonna go. I think we'll draw. I think we'll. I think we'll get some goals there. I think we'll draw two two. Bloody hell! I think come back to back to back nil nils and then two two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you know the way they play. I think we'll struggle to keep looting out the back of the net. But then I think it's got a clue one day, hasn't it? I mean, we're creating them type of chances like yesterday. Just takes one to go in. I think we'll get another two two. I think we'll get a two one win. Oh, I'll, I'll go for yeah, same as Brownie, two one win. Uh, Jimmy's message to say he thinks it'll be a 1-0 win Reese silenced the doubters <laughs> um, yeah I think Sam like you said you know a win on Saturday you know discounting what happens in the cup because it's the cup but I think a win on Saturday and it it does look a bit more positive I think another draw or a defeat and then you 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 verging on the cusp of potentially some some sort of sections of the fan base starting to not lose the rag a little bit, but maybe start to turn the positivity that is surrounding the club at the minute into a little bit more of a negative vibe, which I don't think anyone wants to see. And a season will never be defined on three games, but I think Think. the frustrations from the transfer window are rubbing off on the fans. So I think, you know... uh, a, a defeat and two draws to start the season, or three draws, and it, it could could start tipping tipping the edge. When you think about it, you know you got you got Luton away. If you don't, if you know if we lose that, then got Rotherham at home, which suddenly becomes a game where everyone's talking about we have to win it. Almost and like then, that Peterborough game at home last season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then and then we've got Watford, Cardiff, and then Coventry, which is three, you know, harder games. So. You then look at what 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 could potentially have been a, a positive start to the season into something that you you start to worry about. So it it's is all important puts, that we get that first win as soon as possible. It's all this puts the maybe's in it. Though. I think that's one thing I did when I yeah. looked at the fixture list. I looked at certainly on paper we had a few tough fixtures, you know, from Luton to especially Luton and uh, Watford. You know, in the first five or six, I think that you really did want that emphasis on getting at least a win under your belt from. On paper, you know, Hull and Wigan being teams expect to be down there, but I mean, it's going to be another cliche. It's a championship; anyone can beat anyone, and there's no reason why we can't, you know, get a streak of an unbeaten run together and such and keep it going. But there's, you know, every chance we can suddenly be sat in the bottom three after seven or eight games. Yeah, um, yeah, boys, I have nothing else to add unless you do. No, mate. No, that's everything for me. No, cool. Yeah, well, another week, another goalless draw. Uh, on balance, I'd say we've probably been deserving of more than just the two points that we've got so far, but the chances that we're creating, we, we need to start taking them sooner rather than later, and we need more bodies in. You know, I think that's clear for all to see. Uh, 
there'll be no podcast next weekend. It's my sister-in-law's wedding, so I'm away for the whole weekend, uh, which is... A, I'll not say that, just in case family members are listening. Um, so, yeah, we'll cover everything the weekend after. Um, what's Jimmy saying here? Part-timer. Piss off, Jim. Um, yeah, so we'll be back the week after next, and we'll cover everything in detail then. But, yeah, boys, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated, as always. And, Jim, thanks for your muted contributions through the group chat, apart from the first five minutes. Cheers, mate. Always a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not repeating his message. Right, cheers, boys. Thank you very much. <laughs>